the Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free. This is Coach Ball from PickleballCoach.com. And here's the host of the Pickleball Show, Chris Allen. Thank you, Coach Mo, and welcome to the show dedicated to helping you play better pickleball while having even more fun and meeting new friends who share your passion for this great sport. My name is Chris Allen. I'm your host. And today's show is all about a confusing topic. At least it's confusing to me, but hopefully it'll be less so at the end of it. Today's show is all about stacking. And I know we get new listeners all the time and uh, new people coming to play pickleball all the time, so we should tell you exactly what we mean by stacking. But first, let me introduce our panel. We have joining us today from Arizona, the uh, latest winner, uh, with along with his partner Dave Weinbach of the Grand Canyon State Games and the men's 5.0 doubles. Please welcome Justin Rogers. Justin, thank you for making time for us today. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate uh, inviting me to join in on this. And also joining us from Collingwood, Ontario, Canada, just a couple of hours north of Toronto from Third Shot Sports, our friend Mark Rennison. Mark, thank you today for joining us. You're welcome, Chris. Hi, Justin. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Good, thanks. Now, let's tell people exactly if they don't know what we mean by the term stacking. You may have seen it on some videos if you've watched YouTube videos of the Grand Canyon State Games or uh, the Nationals or any of those. You might see the more advanced players. Sometimes they've arranged themselves where it looks like they're both way over on the side of the court and they're leaving half the court empty. And then all of a sudden somebody will serve or they'll serve and then one of them they'll spread out and then cover both sides of the court. That is called stacking because they're stacking both people on one side or the other. Now, Justin, is stacking something that you uh, do regularly when you play in tournaments? I do it pretty much all the time. I uh, even have my people that I play with in practice games do it with me. The ones that don't get confused by it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's one of the things because there are, I guess, there are advantages and disadvantages, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about today. We spoke with Wayne Mugley uh, on an episode a few weeks ago, and he right. said that he thought that stacking was going to be the wave of the future; that more and more teams were going to be doing it. And uh, so, I guess, in his mind, the advantages outweigh the disadvantages, and obviously, they must in your mind too. That's true. You have to have at least one person that's constantly keeping track of where you're supposed to be or you can lose the point. But in my particular case, I'm left-handed, so it benefits me and my partner to have our forehands in the middle uh, because when we have our backhands in the middle, we're at a weak point and get attacked there. And with the forehands, we are a little bit stronger with shots. So you you pretty much always want to be on the uh, the even side of the court, the right side of the court, correct? That is correct, yes. Okay, so stacking is the way that you can constantly play that side and you're not having to ever really rotate over to the odd side. That's correct. As long as I have a partner that is quick enough to make it to all four positions because you'll stack uh, four different points of the game depending on who's receiving or who's serving the ball. And there's a couple of positions that if you don't have a partner that's quick enough to get to the other side of the court, it's just not worth it to stack that position. So I, I exclude that if I find my partner's having a trouble getting over to that other spot of the court. 
Now, Mark, what uh, have you ever played a, a stacking uh, strategy when you play, or do you advise your students to uh, to try stacking? Justin brings up a really important point about how quickly you move on the court, right? And that you have to be able to get uh, basically from one one corner, the corner in the sideline of the baseline, to basically the kitchen on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. So when I'm playing with uh, with high-level players who are quick, who can cover the court in the time it takes, then occasionally we'll see people, especially like Justin said, when you've got the, the lefty-righty combination and you want the forehands in the middle. I a number of times have students, novice, intermediate, even sort of higher intermediate, you know, like 3.5 players, ask about stacking. And it's not going to be to a benefit to you if you can't cover the court fast enough. Mm-hmm. And so in that case, uh, you know, it's better to play straight up. And I also find that very often we players want to uh, want to stack in order to avoid their weakness, which is often their backhand. Sometimes, you know, for players, I'm not talking about someone like Justin, but players who are just learning the game, um, it's actually far more beneficial just to improve your backhand. Yeah, <laughs> right. Rather, <laughs> That's true. Ra- rather than stacking to avoid it all time. So I think um, right. I think for lower level players, they can sometimes use it as a crutch to avoid really developing the skill they need to be a well-rounded player. But when you get to the top of the game and the margins are so small between winning and losing, you know, then you'll take every advantage you can. Yeah, when you're at Justin's level, when you're you're on that 5.0 level, just the slightest little edge can be the difference between a win and a loss. That's right. Yeah. Now, like you, Justin, I'm left-handed as well, so I've I've looked into that, and because uh, it would be nice to always have my forehand in the middle and and not have both of our backhands on the uh, on the outside. But uh, a lot of times, when I look at the stacking strategy, it just sometimes it seems like it's just more trouble than it's worth in terms of, like you said, keeping up with the position because you're I mean you're constantly questioning: Am I am I in the right spot? Am I the right server? Are there any tricks or or, or things that you've learned to to kind of help alleviate? that? Well, you just have to remember that your starting positions will designate you as an odd or an even person. So whenever the score is even, that you're back to original positions that the game started. So if I'm on the right side, we're 0-0. My partner's on the left side, 0-0. That's where you want to be when the score is even. So that is a natural position. When the score becomes odd, then you know that you you need to be somewhere else than you normally are going to be if you're going to be stacking. So if I'm going to be on the left side receiving a serve. My partner wouldn't be on the right side. They would need to still be on the left, and and I'd need to move over to the right. If I ended up being back on the right side of the court, and it's 1-1, my partner took the serve, we lose the point. So that's some tricks that help me and my partners. I just try to help them right off the bat say, okay, even you're on the left, odd you're on the right. If you get in that position, and they call the score, and you're like, whoops, uh, you need to stop play if you're the receiver, to get us in the correct position. Now, what about if you're receiving the serve and you're playing the uh, in the stacked position? I haven't uh, played it on offense, but I've played against a couple of teams that have done it. And when I see them stacking, my strategy is to try to serve right into the person that's that's just standing by that that can't receive the serve. I want to almost use them as a as a, a shield. I want to I want to you know create some disruption, and uh, I want to try to drive the person that's going to receive the serve, drive them as far as over over to the uh, the side of the court as possible. And you know if they get in each other's way, then that's right. fine. You know I would love for that to happen. And uh, it, sometimes it takes a couple of uh, a couple of those serves before they. Uh, uh, the the non-receiving partner thinks, well, I gotta I gotta stand back a little more because I'm gonna <laughs> you know I'm gonna get in the way here. Yeah, they need to stay well off the court, especially when receiving. And a trick to being able to be effective with the returns is you need to be able to return the ball with either your backhand or your forehand. 
if the other team knows that you only use one or the other, then they can use that tactic a little more effectively to put you in a disadvantage. Example would be, say I'm on the left side of the court being a lefty, and all I like to do is return the ball with my backhand. They can swing a, a serve wide to the outside left of the court, and I have to run basically off the court mm -hmm. to return that ball. That's a long ways to return back to the other side. I really need to loft that ball really high and put a little less speed on it to give me time to return back to the other side of the court. So that's a good tactic to avoid that is, is practicing returning the balls from either your backhand or your left hand and don't get stuck just doing one. Sounds good. Mark, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think, uh, I think Justin's right. And I think that you're also right to sort of recognize that if you catch people off guard and they're not in a good position when they're side stacking, that you can do something with that. You're right also that the, the wide serve is very effective, right? Because that creates the maximum distance that they have to run mm -hmm. to get back up to the kitchen. Those are smart things to do and you need to, this is why it's important, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about uh, how the serve and the return are increasingly becoming important shots that you need to think about before you hit them. Right. And this is a perfect example of that. If you just hit that serve mindlessly, you're missing a great opportunity to to challenge those guys. Oh, yeah, because the last thing I want is for them to be able to to hit the return, you know, on their way to going to the other side. You know, if they're if they're going to try to gain an advantage by stacking, then I want to create maximum disruption by by making them run. All right, you're going to have to run one and a half times further than, you know, you, you thought you were going to have to. So it's like, I want you to run over, have to hit it, then you have to stop, and now you have to make your way all the way across the court to cover that position. And if you don't get get there in time, if you don't, uh, you know, hit a ball too high, uh, I can, you know, I've got a big hole over there. I can just, you know, fill in that hole and the point's over. Correct. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Or you can hit the guy that's trying to run over there on the, on the move. It's much harder to catch a return and hit it properly when you're moving versus getting stationary and in, in there by the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why why I've never really considered employing a stacking strategy because I, maybe I see the downside, uh, I see the disadvantages too much, and I don't see the big advantage. Vince Lombardi used to talk about with the, with the Packers that they would just they would run six plays, yeah, and they said, well, why don't you do more than six plays? And he said, well, I just don't want to give the guys more to think about. I'd rather have them just. <laughs> think about the game and once you know we know these six plays like the back of our hand so we can run them in our sleep it frees up them mentally to concentrate on the game sometimes you watch videos and then the guys are a little bit confused and they're always you know right right position right server you know over and over again but when you reach a level that you're at justin it is worth it for you to to go ahead and do it or maybe it's not that big of a of a confusing issue for you when you're at your level you think it's not for me because I've been doing it for so long. And even now, some partners I play with, they just say, just tell me where to go. And, <laughs> and that's all I do. I just point. Even if, if you watch the Grand Canyon State Game Final, you'll see me with Dave. I'll you know come here, go there, move there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's okay with that because all he's focused in is, is on the game. And uh, I think we may, we may have made one, maybe two mistakes the entire match where the stacking played a part. I had one return. I rushed a little bit, and it floated a little deep. So there is a little bit of disruption in your normal thinking process, which shouldn't be happening too heavily when you're playing pickleball. Like you said, you should be in automatic mode of, of playing and not having to overthink shots. But I, I still find for me and my partners that it's it's well worth it for us to get in the position for all the rest of the points to have an advantage. I think, with was it the 2014 Nationals? I think that they in, implemented a rule where you could only ask right position, right server. You could only make three of those requests of the referee. Well, 
you know, that's that's up their call if they want to do that. I, I would disagree with that. Um, you know, that's what the refs there for. And and you know, the, the our matches don't last that long. I don't think it dragged things on that long. But that's not my call to make. Again, um, it's up to you and your partner to to keep control. And and obviously that'll change your strategy if you have trouble doing that. Uh, you don't want to keep losing points if you can't keep track. So yeah, if it costs you yeah two or three points and it's not worth considering. And I'm wondering too with with technology. I mean the you know, you already have an iPhone. I mean, if you had an app that could keep up with your position, would that be allowed? Could you look down at your iPhone real quick and uh, <laughs> have it tell you? How, you, uh, could, you could use your new. You could use your new iWatch. Yeah, exactly. You, can, you just iWatch. got it on your wrist. Yeah. Uh, or they could even. I mean, just like at the tournaments when they have the billboard, you know, they have the video screen of of the brackets and everything. What if they had a video screen that just just showed you the position? You could just look up, say, on the other side of the court that the referee's not on. You could look up and just see where you're supposed to be that would eliminate it too so yeah just yeah, sport continues to evolve i you know you never know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can I, chris chris can i ask just justin a question please typically when you see people stack they stack in order to move to their ideal position right so you talked about forehands in the middle right if i was serving and i see these guys stacking and yeah i know who's going to return but they always go to a predictable position right. uh you know justin always goes to the right side his partner always goes to the left do you ever see guys who stack but then vary where they move after the return. So it's, oh, it's sort of, it's like a surprise, right? So I don't, yeah. you wouldn't always move to the, uh, to the right side. So you get your right. forehand in the middle. Sometimes you would move to your left. Like, do you ever see that happen? Yes. Yes. And, and more so in mixed doubles, you will see that there'll be a little bit of cat and mouse game going on. Uh, you may not want necessarily to have a forehand in the middle or the, the male on his having his forehand in the middle. You might want to be lined up across where you better dink with one or other one or two of the other players on the other side to get one of their weaknesses exposed. And you may wait to see what they're going to do on their returns. I've seen stacking on both sides where as soon as the ball serves, both teams moved in opposite directions and they saw (laughs) the other team move and they moved right back to where they were. I was going, oh my gosh, that just seems so confusing, but... You know, there is there can be a little bit of extra cat and mouse uh, strategy going on out there for sure. Yeah, like I would think, you know, especially if there's one player that you're really trying to pick on and make them hit the majority of the balls. If you consistently know which side of the court they're going to move to after the return or after the serve, I think that you could um, you could disrupt that a little bit by sort of constantly giving them a different look, right? So not only, do, not only do they have to worry about the ball that's coming at them that they're about to hit, but they also have to look up and say, like, okay, is she on the left this time or the right, right? So it's um, right. so I, I could see that happening uh, more and more as players are trying to sort of look for ways to to throw off an opponent in, you know, in a legal way, of course. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Now, would you guys, uh, Justin, would you recommend uh, stacking as a 4.0 and, a, and beyond strategy? Is it kind of like, uh, hey, kids, don't try this at home? I would think that that's probably more appropriate. Trouble being that the lower level players aren't able to vary their shots. At, at, once you get below the 4.0, um, you know, they're, they're just happy to get some of the returns deep versus trying to send them down the line or send them wide to let their partners to get to the correct position. Mm-hmm. I would agree that, that you have to have, and if you take the, the rating specifically as they're defined, you're supposed to be able to control the ball with a variety of shots and variety of spins. And once you are below the 4.0 level, your skills don't allow you to make those kind of shots. Mm-hmm. So again, the confusion level comes in and the disadvantage that you will probably lose more shots, not getting them where you want to go. Then it would be getting points. So yeah, 4.0 is probably about right. 
Now, I've heard some people say, too, that they feel like that uh, stacking is technically legal. You're, you're adhering to the letter of the law, but they feel like it violates maybe the spirit of the game. Uh, I've heard people say, well, you know, you really you should be rotating. You should be playing both sides. Um, and they feel like it's almost like a loophole that's being exploited. I would also ask them, do they wear yellow shirts and use yellow paddles? I mean, <laughs> you know, rules are rules. If it's not a rule, then what are you, what, what are you doing wrong? You know, it's, it's like the designated hitter rule. Yeah, you can do it. Or in baseball, you, you can do it. But they feel like it takes away from the game being, you know, the, the spirit of the game where you have to play offense and you have to play defense. They don't want, you know, right. the, the pitcher just pitching and then a guy that comes in just hitting. I haven't run into anyone that's ever questioned or had a problem or asked me anything about that. It's so widespread now, especially in the mixed doubles. Yeah. You see it all the time where the stacking occurs. So it, it's such a common occurrence now where I, I don't see where that's going to be an issue. And I, I played a lot of uh, volleyball in my 30s, not beach volleyball, but just at, you know, the local rec centers, just, you know, six six person teams. And, you know, it was commonplace for somebody to be a hitter and somebody to be a setter. And when you're in the middle, you know, when you're rotating around, if I'm a hitter and I'm in the middle, and, you know, the setters on the side, once that ball's in the air, we're switching. Right. It's a strategy, same as you would have in football or basketball or baseball. Everyone doesn't have the same strategy. Everyone has a different strategy, and you have to formulate what strategy you feel is going to work best for your team. Well, I think that, uh, you know, when you reach that level where you feel like stacking is uh, is maybe the what you need to do to take your game to that next step and give you that slight edge when you're playing with the people, you know, on the four, four and a half or 5.0 level, consider stacking. It may work for you. Guys, thank you so much. I really appreciate your uh, time today. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, you're welcome, Chris. Thanks for having us. A couple of things I should point out. Number one, Justin is featured in a new video about stacking put out by the fine folks over at the Pickleball Channel. Rusty, Meredith, and everybody over there does such a great job all the time. And this video is really good, too. We'll link to it in the show notes. So you should find it uh, at pickleballshow.com. Go to this episode. You can go to pickleballshow.com slash 13, and that'll take you directly to it, and you'll find a link to that uh, video on YouTube. Also, our friend Prem Carno, the author of Smart Pickleball, he's got a great blog post on stacking that explains uh, the ins and outs, uh, the strategy. He's got uh, some great diagrams in there, so we'll link to that as well. We'll link over to Prem's blog, and uh, that is uh, pickleballhelp.com, and you can check both of those out and get an even deeper understanding of stacking tournament update coming up next the pickleball show is brought to you by pbx club pbx stands for pickleball excellence join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies news and opinion save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more how much does it cost to become a pbx club member well it's free just go to freepbxclub.com. that's freepbxclub.com. there's even a link in the show notes for this episode freepbxclub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free. It's the Pickleball Show and your host, Chris Allen, joining me now from pickleballtournaments.com. It's Greg Thompson. Greg, how's it looking out there tournament-wise? It is looking very nice. Very nice. Lovely indeed. Just another beautiful day here in Arizona, and I'm about to go play some pickleball, so life is good. All right. Where are we headed this week for tournament updates? Ooh, this week, we are kind of all over the place, but that's what we want to do because we want to grow the sport in as many places as possible. So let's start in the Midwest. 
the second annual Pickleball Fever in the Zoo, the Bob Northrop Memorial Tournament. And this is at the Annex, and it's in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So not only does it have a fun name, it's being played in a fun place, and it's being put on by two of my favorite pickleball people, Jim and Yvonne, the Hack Hackenberg. These folks can play. I've taken lessons from them. Not only are they just great pickleball players, that's an intense nickname, the Hack. Man, it's like the, the Hack, hack maybe. The have Hack you ever attack. Seen fun play? No, I don't think I have. Ooh wee, that girl is good. They're a power couple, power pickleball couple, right there. Yvonne, the first lady of pickleball, Hackenberg. <laughs> so that tournament is May 28th through Sunday, May 31st. Good deal. What's next on tap? We're going down to where I grew up, my part of the country, Mid South, the USAPA Mid South Regional. University of Louisiana, Monroe, Louisiana. Great place. I wish that I could go to this one. I grew up in Tyler, Texas, which isn't too far from Louisiana and Monroe. So the registration for that began in January. It goes all the way through May 4th. Um, so you still got time to jump in there, register for that. The tournament dates are May 29th through May 31st. Next, we're headed to the Pacific Northwest for the Washougal. <laughs> River's Edge Tournament. <laughs> we were joking about that because it's tough to pronounce some of those names, and Washugal was one of them. We were thinking we could just dub in the name Washugal like they used to do with the little kids' birthday songs, where it was Happy Birthday, dear Greg. <laughs> you did it good, though. Washugal is the way to go. Thank you. Thank you. Well, if it, if we didn't do the little hooked on phonics thing prior to this, it came out as well, I don't think. But it is Washugal, and it is in Washugal. Washington, and it's the Washugal River's Edge Tournament. The tournament dates are June 5th through June 7th. Well, we appreciate you checking in. We will talk with you next week, Greg. All right. Thanks, Chris. And my thanks once again to Justin Rogers and Mark Rennison for joining us on this special stacking episode of the Pickleball Show. Stacking is still above my pay grade. I am not nearly good enough to start considering a stacking strategy yet, but maybe it'll work for you. Perhaps you are. Let us know how it does work out for you. Give us a call anytime. 1-855-PB-SHOW. That's 1-855-PB-SHOW. You can email us too. Mail at pickleballshow.com. Starting in May, we've got a special summertime format of the Pickleball Show. We're taking it outdoors, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So we look forward to that. Go to iTunes and subscribe to the show. That way you'll never miss an episode. And if you think it's appropriate, leave us a five-star review. I'm Chris Allen. This is the Pickleball Show. And until next week, keep them low. The Pickleball Show was brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free.